Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This sighting was told to me by a man that I've known for over 20 years. We have hunted and fished many times together over the years, and I have never known him to tell tall tales. He is very respected in the community where he lives. He said that he had been cutting a load of firewood and was coming down a dirt road that goes from the bottom of the canyon on the Snake River and goes up into the timber. He said that it was hunting season, and from one place on this road he could look down the mountain, and he thought he could see a bear by a salt box. These salt boxes are put out by ranchers to put blocks of salt out for cattle. He said his intention was to shoot this bear, so he hurried down the road in his pickup. There are many switchbacks coming down this road, and so at times he couldn't see this thing. When he finally could see it again, he was about 400 yards from it. He said that it stood up on its hind legs and quickly walked about 40 to 50 yards, where it went down into a steep creek bottom. He said that if it was a person, that the person would have been dressed in dark brown or black clothing from head to foot, all in one color. He said that it was over six foot tall. He also said that there were no other vehicles in this area, 
and no other roads into this area. He said that he didn't stop and go look for footprints, and that he just kept on driving past the spot, but with a very funny feeling about what he had just seen. The darkness of the forest seemed to press in on us, suffocating us in its chilling embrace. I found myself leading a small group of fellow hikers deeper into this remote and mysterious wilderness. The allure of the unknown had drawn us in. But now, as we confronted the malevolent cryptid, we couldn't help but question the wisdom of our decision. As we pressed on, the forest seemed to come alive with a sinister energy. The trees whispered with an otherworldly voice, and the air carried an indescribable malevolence. The cryptid's presence loomed over us, a grotesque fusion of human and beast that had haunted this forest for centuries. Despite my determination to survive and my newfound camaraderie with the other hikers, fear gnawed at the edges of my mind. The cryptid's attack on me still haunted my nightmares, leaving me battered and traumatized. Each step forward felt like a gamble with fate, a dance with the unknown that could spell our doom. Our group had managed to learn some of the cryptid's patterns and weaknesses during our time in the forest. But we knew that our advantage was only fleeting. The creature was cunning, and we couldn't shake the feeling that it was toying with us, leading us further into its dark domain. As the nights passed, the forest seemed to come alive with a cacophony of eerie sounds. The deafening silence of the day was replaced by rustling leaves, distant howls, and that unnerving otherworldly call that seemed to taunt us from the shadows. Together we faced countless trials and tribulations, navigating treacherous terrain, foraging for food and constantly watching our backs for signs of the lurking cryptid. We became a tight-knit group bound together by a shared fear of the unknown and a determination to survive. But as we inched closer to the heart of the forest, we realized that the cryptid was not the only malevolent force at play. There were other dark entities hidden within the forest's depths, lurking in the shadows and feeding off the fear and despair that hung in the air like a tangible fog. The more we uncovered about the cryptid's existence, the more we realized that its imprisonment was not just a matter of chance. An ancient curse seemed to have bound it to this forsaken place, a curse that demanded a terrible sacrifice in return for its freedom. Our hearts sank as we came to understand the full extent of the cryptid's malevolence. It had been trapped in a forest for centuries, and we were now standing on the precipice of a decision that could change the fate of the world. Should we leave the creature imprisoned or risk releasing it and unleashing an ancient evil upon the world once more? As the climactic battle for survival drew near, we could feel the forest closing in on us, suffocating us in its darkness. The cryptid's presence loomed larger than ever, and we knew that our very lives depended on the choices we would make. In the heart of the forest, the final confrontation awaited us. With our hearts pounding and our minds racing, we stood united against the darkness, prepared to face our deepest fears and confront the malevolent cryptid. But what we didn't realize was that the forest itself was a living, breathing entity, and the cryptid was just one manifestation of its malevolence. 
as we battled for our lives, the ancient curse that bound the creature to the forest revealed its true purpose, to feed off the fear and despair of those who dared to tread into its domain. In a nightmarish revelation, we understood that the only way to truly defeat the cryptid and break the curse was to confront the darkness within ourselves. It was not just the cryptid that held us captive. It was our own fears and doubts that shackled us to this forsaken place. As we faced our inner demons, we discovered the strength to banish the cryptid and break the ancient curse. The forest, once a prison of terror, began to release its hold on us, and we emerged into the sunlight, forever changed by our harrowing ordeal. Not 100% on the story and running off of very little information, but here it goes. Friend has been seeing, hearing things lately. She lives in an older apartment building, and the other day she thought her dog was sitting in the kennel. Her dog then walked up beside her in the kitchen, so she quickly glanced over and saw a small humanoid black creature crouching in her dog's cage. Best way to describe it without showing it is sitting as a bullfrog would. Leading up to this, she has been seeing things out of her peripherals, small black figures moving away from her field of vision. This happened quite a few times. The other day, she had a seizure in the middle of a store. Ever since then, the sightings have gotten worse. She was at work the other day and caught a glimpse of the same creature crouching outside her building. She looked away to set something down and turned back to get a better look. When she saw it again, it was standing there looking at her. She said it was approximately five, six feet tall, standing. Leaving work, she felt like she was being followed. She looked behind her and saw this creature again, and it was following her. A police officer patrols the parking lot and asked if she was okay, because he saw how visibly shaken she was. He never saw anyone following her. A few days later, she went to use the shower. As she was getting out, someone knocked on the door. She does have a roommate, but her roommate knew she was using the shower for a moment. As she approached the door, the rap sped up until she grabbed the handle to open it, and it stopped. She confronted her roommate, and she acted like she had no idea what happened. That is the gist of what has been going on. She has had a few other things happen, such as LED string lights ripped down and slung across the opposite side of the room, or her Virgin Mary necklace ripped off while sleeping, broken by the chain, not clasps, and laid out on the bed. It was laid out in a way that looked intentional. Any idea what this could be? Looked at several things, but nothing seems to fit the bill exactly. She said it was the same creature every time. She said she couldn't make out too many details about its physical characteristics. But she did say it was black about human height, humanoid. When it crouched, it resembled a human crouching. But when it was standing, she had a hard time making out its arms and legs. Any help is appreciated. Fought your information, she has seen a doctor in regards to the seizure. Trying to rule out any kind of mental disorder, disease, but would like to see if anything jumps out to y'all. My 11-year-old grandson, who is not known to lie, was at the bus stop waiting to go to school last week. I was on the phone with him, and I heard him gasp, and I asked what was wrong. 
I assumed a stray or someone's dog because people don't keep their dogs in check here, unfortunately. He said he saw a tall, dark figure run into the woods. Then his bus came, and he said he had to go. I questioned him when he got home, and he said the figure was abnormally tall, taller than anyone he'd ever seen, very thin and wearing all black. He said it had no face, that he could tell that the face was all black, too. I asked him if he was scared, and he said it didn't scare him, but more shocked him, as it wasn't anything he'd ever seen before. I let it go at that, and didn't bring it up again for fear of scaring him. Any idea what it could have been? We live in the country, so now I'm a little nervous myself. Edit. Thank you, everyone, for your feedback and sharing your stories. I think Shadow Figure might be the best description so far. Yes, I wish he'd thought fast enough to snap a picture, but he said it moved unusually fast and then disappeared. This happened in the Nature Coast area of Florida. We were hiking a few miles deep into an area called the Weeki Wachee Preserve. This place used to be a mine before it filled up with water. Now it's open clearings with mounds of dirt hills here and there and thick forest and vegetation surrounding it. We hiked out for about an hour and a half, making it through the clearings and lakes to the opposite side's forest. We walked a short bit into the forest and quickly realized how dark it was getting. We turned around to head back to the car and made it a few yards back into the clearing and lakes, but we both turned around and saw something. I remember first thinking it must be a giraffe because of how tall and lanky it was. It stood on two legs and reached the height of the trees at the mouth of the forest. It was walking from left to right, halfway between us and the forest. I remember it leaning forward slightly, bending it where the pelvis would be. I don't recall much detail, whether because it was dusk or so difficult to comprehend. I remember it is just black. We watched it cross the path we had just come down and head toward the right, through some tall grass on either side of the trail. It seemed so tall, definitely too tall to be a person. My brother and I looked at each other and ran all the way back to the car without a word. I've always loved hunting and being out in the wilderness. There's something about the solitude and raw beauty of nature that just calls to me. But my last trip to the New Mexico border for deer hunting was different from any other trip I've taken. I had seen numerous drug smugglers and their spotters throughout my days in the wilderness. It was a stark reminder of the dangers that lurk in these remote areas. But it was one particular night that still sends shivers down my spine. I was sitting in my teepee, enjoying my dinner and reflecting on the craziness I had seen over the past few days. Suddenly, I heard a heavy sniffing pattern outside the teepee. It was as if something was trying to smell my dinner, and it was going to town doing it. I froze mid-bite and listened to the sound for a few minutes. Then I decided to growl at whatever was outside. I wasn't sure what it was, but I knew it wasn't a hungry drug smuggler. My mind raced, and I wondered if it could be a mountain lion. But the huffing was too loud, so I figured it was just some javelina, since their tracks were everywhere. Despite my attempts to rationalize the situation, I couldn't shake off the feeling of unease. 
The fact that I was in a small tepee in the middle of nowhere with something sniffing around outside was a scary thought. I tried to ignore it, but the feeling of being watched lingered on. I love the feeling of being out in the wild, but this experience made me realize the dangers that come with it. The remote wilderness is not only home to beautiful creatures, but also dangerous ones. My mind wandered back to the drug smugglers, and I realized that I didn't want any kind of encounter with people in these remote areas either. As I sat there, my mind racing with thoughts, I couldn't help but feel a sense of relief when the sniffing finally stopped. But the experience had left its mark on me, and I couldn't shake off the feeling of being hunted. I knew I needed to be more cautious and alert when I ventured out into the wilderness, and I made a mental note to always be prepared for anything that could happen. My friend and I used to go to South Padre Island every summer because his dad lived there. We were usually left to our own devices and would stay out late trying to pick up girls one night. We're walking home from the beach, and we both notice a light on a dock flicker on. There was a figure standing out there under the light. It was far enough away we couldn't make out details, but the water was really misty that night, and it seemed very eerie. We decided to pick up our pace and get home quickly. Just as we start walking briskly, the light we're under turns off. We sprint as fast as we can, and the lights kept turning off and then back on after we get past them. We made it home and both locked every door to the house we could find. I still have no idea what that was about, but I do know salt air causes havoc on electrical equipment. Maybe it was that. I lived in a small but not terribly isolated town in central Alabama. My family lived in a trailer park near a small patch of woods with a railroad track running through the middle. I was driving home one night, late, maybe twelve, one in the morning. As I'm driving up to the tracks preparing to stop, I see what I originally believed to be a big buck standing at the edge of the woods on the opposite side of the road near the stop sign at the train tracks. So as I come to a stop, I angle my car slightly so my headlights shine on him. I wanted to get a good look at him, because he was massive and I wanted to count his points. As my headlights fall over him, I realize what I'm seeing is, in fact, not a buck, but what appears to be a huge wolf, and I got a great look at him. My headlights lit him up perfectly. He didn't run off or anything. He just stood there, not motionless, like he was fake, which was my first thought, but holding his ground. After a few seconds, I just left. It terrified me. I know what I saw, and I know it was huge. I've seen lots of deer, and that is what it definitely wasn't, but I don't think there are wolves in Alabama. And besides, I know they're big, but I don't think they're that big. Never saw it again. Pretty sure no one believes me. I was by myself at my camp off of Cyper Mort Point, Louisiana. I was getting it ready for the upcoming summer season by giving it a good cleaning and making sure all the plumbing and electricity was working and getting my boat ready for a summer of fishing and skiing. 
That night I was sitting out on the dock just drinking a beer and watching the moon, and there was three little lights that just appeared in the sky and seemed to move impossibly fast and change directions instantly. They traversed the entire skyline in a matter of seconds. If you have ever taken one of those tiny laser pins and swirled it across your ceiling, that's what it looked like, only there was three of them. They were gone as soon as they appeared, but as soon as they disappeared, the weather changed and the water became crazy rough from out of a dead calm just a few minutes before. The wind got so strong that I had to go inside. I was staring out of the window over the water, trying to wrap my head around what just happened, and this boat appeared with no running lights and pulled into the jetty next to my camp and disappeared down the canal. I don't know if or of all those things are related, but it freaked me out a little. I tried to tell somebody about it when I got back home. The first person I told gave me the stupid look like I was crazy, and I haven't talked about it since. This occurred on September 3, 2019, between 6, 6.30 p.m. I was sitting on a park bench in North Issaquah Highlands in Lead Park. It sits directly on the north side of a Marshall's department store. I'm sitting on one of the two benches facing south. My view is looking dead at the wall of the department store to the front, and there's a small little forest of trees behind me. I'm on the foremost eastern bench because I can see the southern sky above the building. I'm gazing up at the sky, and I barely see way off in the distance a couple of parachutes. From where I was to where they are was about two, three miles away, but still on my sight. In fact, if I were to walk fifty feet to the left, I could see all the parachutes flying from my vantage point. The actual parachutes appeared like little black dots, with a colored parachute on top of them from where I stood. As I looked at the parachutes, I noticed above them was a darker and bigger black dot. It was above them a couple thousand feet or so. It had wings. It was flying in a giant circular motion, like an eagle, but it was flying upwards. This was no eagle, I thought. It was flying in a vortex going upward. I couldn't believe it. It would flap its wings, looking like it was climbing in a struggle, like a giant sloppy bat. This was very scary to see. It was directly over the parachuters. I'm watching it ascend even to greater heights. The wingspan was at least twice as large as that of the parachuters. I couldn't believe my eyes. I watched it disappear into a black flat bottom cloud. I could still see the parachutes. But this creature went into this cloud that was coming approximately in my direction. I followed this cloud for about 30 minutes, just trying to see if it would pop out somewhere. It was up there somewhere. This creature was gigantic in size. It literally looked like a dragon. All I could do was call the parachute company the next morning. I told the owner everything I had seen. He was very polite. The location where they parachute is called Poo Poo Point in Tiger Mountain Hang Gliding. My sighting happened directly over the hotspot gliding area, which is full of hang gliders. A Sunday night I was driving back down to my home in California. I had been visiting my hometown of Eugene, Oregon, dark, rainy night. Had just passed the town of Rice Hill. 
very few cars on the road. I was driving up a hill with my high beams on, and I couldn't believe my eyes. Someone sitting in the rocks or on the embankment on the side of the freeway in the dark, at night and in the rain. Initially, I thought it was a person. It wasn't. It was sitting facing northward as I drove up the hill, took my foot off the gas, let the car cruise and decelerate as I continued up the hill. The thing looked at me and was seemingly aware that I was looking at it. A very frightening moment. This moment frightens me further when I realize how truly close I was to this thing. Less than 20 yards, we very definitely made eye contact. The thing was sitting in an almost fetal position, with its knees up by its chin, and these long arms by its side. And then as I passed it, the thing stood up and began to walk away, north along I-5. And there was no mistaking, this was not a person stranded along the freeway. The thing was tall, very tall, seven feet more. It was very disturbing, to say the least. Have never told my family for fear of ridicule. A sighting along I-5 would be an invite for scorn. Yet this truly happened. I don't remember the year this happened, but the guy that was with me remembers this like I do. My brother's a brother-in-law, his friend and I were out hunting. My brother and brother-in-law shot a deer at the beginning of a clear cut. The next morning, my brother-in-law's friend and I went back to the clear cut that they got the deer in. We followed the road to just about the end of it, maybe 200, 300 yards. He stopped to the truck so we could walk around and look for morning fresh sign. On the right of the road was the clear cut to the left was a stand of timber. Before the timber right next to the road was a muddy area, maybe four or five feet wide that followed the path of the road. He walked over to that area to look for tracks. The tracks he found were not what we were looking for. They were much bigger than man tracks, but looked the same. They were not bear, at least no bear I have seen. I know there is bear in the area I have seen them there. The space between the tracks and the size is what struck me. I would have to say six, seven feet from print to print. When we seen the tracks, the hair on the back of my neck stood up and he said he were ready to get out of there. Seeing as we both had guns, I talked him to, to staying a little longer to, to look around. We followed the tracks a short ways and they just stopped. We couldn't find any more and truth be told, we didn't look very hard because the hair on our necks didn't lay back down until we were a ways out of that area. We never did go back to that area again. I did not see the guy that was with me for many years, but when I did, I asked him if he remembered that morning, and he said he sure did. We both have told a few people about it over the years, and not many people believe we saw what we saw. Before that morning, I never believed that Bigfoot was real. I do now. In my physics gene ed last year, we were split up in groups and working on a lab. A guy at another table let out a yell while extending his arms and fell headfirst off his chair. The very second in between his yell and hitting the floor, a beeping started going off in the room, followed by the words, an emergency is happening in your building. Please evacuate at the nearest exit and accompanied by flashing lights. The guy is having a seizure on the floor, so all we're focusing on is getting him help. 
a campus police officer comes in and tells us the rest of the science buildings have already evacuated for the fire alarm. Most of us leave to give some space to the people helping the guy. While outside, we're talking amongst ourselves, absolutely baffled by the coinciding events we just witnessed. Did the flashing of the alarm trigger epilepsy? No, because he was already on the floor by the time the lights kicked in. Was there some kind of sensor on him that alerted when his body was experiencing an emergency? No, because it was his first seizure. Just reading it might sound lame, but witnessing it and working out what was happening in real time was just eerie. A few years ago, my boyfriend at the time and I were driving home from visiting friends. It was about 3 a.m. and we were taking a long, winding road down from the eastern suburbs to his house. This road has a pretty good view over the city and surrounding suburbs and out to the sea. There was one car on the road further in front of us, and as we came into the first bend, a huge round orange light appeared above the horizon. The light was easily three times as big as the outlines of construction cranes on the shoreline, and as we continued down into the next bend, the light turned into a wavy line across the horizon and then disappeared completely. This happened within about ten seconds, and we checked to see if there were any reports of anyone seeing the same thing. There was nothing. My boyfriend and I were completely sober and both saw the exact same thing, but could never find an explanation for what it was or how no one else in the city seemed to see it. To this day, I regret not following the other car to ask if they had seen it, too. I was an Uber driver in San Francisco. I spent on average 10 hours in the driver's seat in a day's effort I would make anywhere from $200-$300. I now moved to a different city. I was just starting my journey with a company. First day on the job, I'm super pumped to be talking to people that hailed me on the internet only to get in my car. Story goes I was on my second trip for the ride. Sharing company. Due to circumstances I cannot experience explain other than my lack of experience, I received a request at a swank hotel, the Ritz-Carlton. After accepting the trip request, I glanced at my phone to see the time it read 20 minutes past 10 p.m. I waited for what seemed as the longest five minutes on God's green earth. After deciding to leave three dishy Indian interns knock on my window and I let them in. The trip was amazing, nobody was talking, and one guy fell asleep. The trip was a long distance, 19 miles, and it was surging by 2.6, so I was about to get paid major green. Move comes to shove that wasn't the only green that I was witnessing, and I see a guy in the back seat start to whimper. He had awakened from his sleep and started pulsing all over the back seat of my car without opening the windows. Second from the odor, I continued to drop them off at their hotel. Needles to say, I was green to my stomach with the grime and stench I had to clean up. Many rideshare drivers love what they do for their communities in support of establishing an equal price for transportation, as well as driving drunk people home safely. Please don't puke in their cars. I never thought that walking home from my friend's place would turn out to be a nightmare that I would never forget. 
It was around 11 p.m., and the city lights were far away, and the only source of light was the dim moonlight. As I walked down the deserted street, I heard some faint footsteps behind me. At first, I didn't pay much attention, thinking it was just someone else walking home like me. But then the footsteps grew louder and closer, and I started to feel uneasy. I started walking faster, hoping to put some distance between me and whoever was following me. However, as I picked up my pace, I heard him walking faster, too. My heart started racing, and I began to panic. I didn't know what to do and kept looking over my shoulder to see who it was. But I couldn't see anyone. The road ahead seemed endless, and I didn't want to turn back and confront the stranger. So I kept walking, hoping that I would reach the city soon. But Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The footsteps persisted, and I knew that I wasn't alone anymore. The stranger started speaking in a low voice. But I could still hear what he was saying. He kept repeating phrases like, come here and join us, which made me shiver. I knew that something wasn't right, and I had to do something to get away from him. My heart was pounding in my chest as I picked up my pace, hoping to lose him. But every time I did, he would catch up with me. I started to feel trapped and scared with the thought of what could happen to me. It felt like an eternity, and it was just me, him, and the wind. Finally, after what felt like hours, I saw the city lights in the distance. I knew I had to make a run for it, so I sprinted towards the lights, hoping to get away from the stranger. As I ran, I could hear his footsteps getting farther and farther away. I finally made it to the city, and I breathed a sigh of relief. I was safe now, but as I lay in bed that night, I remembered something that made me shudder. The stranger had something in his hand, and it looked like a knife. I didn't want to imagine what could have happened if he had caught up with me. From that day on, I made sure to avoid walking alone. At night, and always stayed in well-lit areas. The memory of that night will always stay with me, and I hope that I never have to experience something like that again. Well, I live in southern Canada in farm country. I do believe in the paranormal within reason. Example, if it can be something logical, I believe that first. I just cannot for the life of me explain how I have this memory of this forest from when I'm a kid. I was paying in the woods with my brother, hide and seek for anyone wondering, and I was the one hiding. I remember running as far as I could through the very familiar woods, and it's as if I crossed into another dimension. 
I ran across an invisible line into a place I'd never seen before. All the regular forest sounds that you would normally not notice were gone. This was scary for me. The trees seemed so much bigger, so I ran back the way I came all the way till I found my brother again. He found me right away, and I calmed down. I told him about a part of the woods I'd never seen before. So he tries to find it, but never could. If you're looking for scariest non-paranormal, it's a story of my aunt's where the biggest coy wolf she'd had ever seen stares down her dogs in their fenced-in yard. Later, a trapper captured him and sent him to a dog-running place where they train hunting dogs to chase. Don't worry, none of the wild animals are hurt there. And after they let it loose, instead of running it, tried to walk up to them aggressively. They got back in the truck and left. Apparently, as soon as the training guy brought out the dogs, this great big male, instead of running, sprinted straight at the dogs and killed one and seriously injured another before the guys who already had their guns up were able to put it down. We are very sure that this big male coy wolf would have hunted my aunt and her dogs if she took them for a walk. I never thought I'd see a cougar in my area. I mean, according to official reports, there aren't any cougars around here. But there it was, crouched by the side of the road, its eyes fixed on something in the field. I slowed down my car and pulled over to the side of the road, making sure to keep a safe distance from the large cat. It was a beautiful animal, with sleek fur and piercing eyes. I watched in awe as it stalked its prey completely unaware of my presence. I couldn't believe my luck. I'd always been fascinated by big cats, especially cougars, but I never thought I'd get to see one up close like this. I grabbed my phone and started taking pictures, hoping to capture this incredible moment. As I watched the cougar, I couldn't help but wonder why the officials denied their existence in the area. I had heard rumors of sightings before, but they were always dismissed as hoaxes or misidentifications. But here was proof, right in front of me. I sat there for what felt like hours, watching the cougar in awe. It was truly an unforgettable experience. Eventually, the cougar finished stalking its prey and disappeared into the woods. I sat there for a moment longer, still in shock at what I had just witnessed. As I drove home, I couldn't stop thinking about the cougar. I knew that officially there were no cougars in the area, but I had seen one with my own eyes. I couldn't help but wonder what other secrets the wilderness held, waiting to be discovered by those brave enough to venture out into the unknown. Only about a month after moving into my aunt's house in a tiny woods town, I was startled very badly by an explosion, seemingly right outside my window. It was so damn loud, maybe the loudest thing I've ever heard. I looked outside and nothing. I kept waiting to see a fireball because my young brain legitimately thought a large bomb had gone off. Nobody else heard anything. Then there was the light. I would often find myself looking out over the forest behind the house because I thought a certain star was moving. Well, one night I'm watching it, and it absolutely was moving. Maybe about two, three miles out, over pure forest. Nobody living out there. It was moving all over the place. Then it started coming towards me. 
over the course of like fifteen minutes and slowly made its way towards the house. Must have only been going five, six miles per hour and a couple hundred feet up. This little orange light ended up passing directly over the house without a sound. The light never once flickered or made any indication that it wasn't a solid artificial light, but just passed over the house completely silently and kept going to the woods on the other side. My only theory would be a Chinese lantern, but its movement seemed so deliberate. My father had just picked up equipment for a job up Dixie Mountain Road past the right fork of where the radio tower is on Upper Rocky Point Road. He was entering a bend in the road that took sharp left with old growth on the right. Second growth and more young deciduous on the left where this power line pole pretty much marked the belly of this turn. When heading back down Rocky Point, about ten feet in front of my father's truck, what he only describes as a four or five feet tall creature with an E.T.-like head with matted down three four-inch brown hair crossed the road at a moderate pace. The creature entered the road way from the old growth on the right to the area on the left. Before entering the thick brush within ten feet of this pole, the creature paused for roughly twenty seconds looking straight ahead into the brush, avoiding eye contact as my father very slowly made his way around the corner. In the early spring of 1995, a friend of mine and I had just finished a construction job in Vancouver, Washington, and were heading back home to Oklahoma. We left Vancouver in the late afternoon and made our way down the highway that runs parallel to the Columbia River. I cannot remember the hash of the road. Just after dark, we approached what the sign said was, the Columbia River Gorge. Seeing as how it was dark, we did not see much. The road started to bend south a bit, and we came to the first incline, and in the headlights of my truck appeared this figure. At first I thought it was some animal that was crossing the road, but as we got closer and the lights of the truck became more focused on it, we realized that it was not a common animal. It looked to be about three to four feet tall with the strangest red-colored hair covering its body. But the thing is, it was sitting in the road facing us with one leg straight out and the other leg out to its right side. And it was trying to push itself up as if it had been hit by a car. Well, I had to swerve into the other lane to avoid hitting the poor thing. All this took place in about a minute or so. My friend and I never said a word until after it was over a minute or so, I said Charlie. Did you see that? And he replied, I wasn't going to say nothing till you said something, but yes. We thought right off of going back, but had decided that since it was so small, that mother could be nearby and we both, being avid hunters, were armed, but what we saw was no mule deer or, or anything else that we had stalked in the past. So we kept driving just to be on the safe side. Back when I was in high school, some friends and I went out to get some food at about 2 a.m. While we were driving, one friend said something like, Why is that guy out jogging at 2 a.m. dressed like that? We looked and sure enough, there was what looked like a guy dressed in all black, including pants and a hoodie. 
We live in Phoenix, and even at 2 a.m. during the summer, it's way too hot to be dressed like that. After about 30 seconds of this guy jogging by, so the driver mentioned that. Ah, guys, I'm going 45. How's he keeping up with us? We took the first turn we could, and to this day, I still don't know who what that was. For the Thanksgiving break in 1996, Ori was camped on the Abaqua. Sharon Jones contacted him and said he should come to the Bigfoot camp on the Malala River, which he did. As he pulled into the campground around 8.30 p.m., two big feet appeared in his headlights about 60 feet away. Both of the 11-foot reddish-brown creatures ran into the woods. Ori set out a rabbit in a cage to attract them back, illuminating them with glow sticks putting a few on trees also at the six-foot level so they could see if something passed in front of them. He had spotlights mounted around the camp and his son Stephen, 18, was running the video camera from inside the camper on the top bunk. All of a sudden, a head walked past under the window and Stephen came flying away, almost bumping heads with the creature as it passed by. The head was hairy, but he could see the face. He screamed it was right outside, a face the size of a garbage can lid. They could see a hand cover the rabbit cage, and they turned on the lights in the cam, quarter just as something passed for a brief instant, in front of the camera so close that all they recorded was a blur. It was 9 p.m., and the thing appeared 9, 10 feet tall from the upper bunk. There was nothing else that night. Friends Mark and Chance camped nearby didn't see anything. The next morning was cloudy and drizzly. Mark and Chance left, and Stephen and Ori played cards until Mark returned, but left again at dark. There was a strong smell of something dead, skunk-like, and musty in the air. Then they heard a weird sound of something running that was gassy, farts making a blop, blop, blop. Noise, but they couldn't see anything out the window. It was 8.30, dark, but a little moonlight, plus the glow sticks were hung in the trees again. At 9 p.m., one glow stick starting going dark. Then the first Bigfoot came by, followed by a second one. They were both huge, and we watched them go back and forth, running in a crisscross pattern, like to flush game, and apparently hunting as a group. One would cross from right to left, the other from left to right the pattern possibly spooking game to run into the Bigfoot approaching from the opposite direction. They hung around camp for 20 minutes, stopping at the rabbit, but turning and going back into the woods rapidly, never staying in one place long enough to switch the lights or camera on. They were incredibly fast. I'm a ranger in Yosemite National Park. I believe that I've seen what people refer to as a real-life alien spaceship. I even touched it with my bare hands. It was a few years back when I was still quite new to the job, May 7th in 2003 to be exact. I was patrolling an area because a report stating that a strange sound was being heard there every night past midnight. Light shows like a full laser light were in display. Some speculated that teenagers were having a party in the woods past midnight is the reason behind these noises. But come on, none of that even made sense. A couple of rangers were already investigating the case. After not finding much, I was also added to the case. I was only 20, 
three at the time and full of enthusiasm to solve it. I investigated everything from testimonies to the witnesses themselves, surveying the whole area. I tracked possible suspects, and I even began camping on those said sites. There were a couple of places, but initially it's all in one big area. There were six places on the list, and I camped every night on the spot. I grew more and more aware of what the woods looked like at night, especially the creatures that come out when the sun sets. I've witnessed the human disappearance of thin air. I witnessed glowing insects flickering in different light, things I've documented. It was 2003, so the phone camera was not really viable. Unfortunately, I had no clear evidence of these things. It was the last place on the list. It was around five, and I was setting up camp when suddenly all my gadgets started producing these strange static noises. I thought of going back since my equipment might be faulty, but it was strange since at that time everything was fine just the day before. Then every single one would malfunction. After a couple of minutes it stopped and everything was back to normal. I did not have high hopes of finding them. The problem at some point is that I realized this might not be what seems after everything I've witnessed so far, but it was definitely not going to be normal. Now I've told all my discoveries to my fellow rangers. Some believed and others laughed. To those who believed, they said they saw the same thing, but when they went back to look for it, it was gone. It was never in the same place. It's like it would only want to show itself in the right time and right place and then vanish forever. At first I had some hope, but they were right. I came to the exact same spot. I moved around the area, but nothing. It was really gone. As I was having my dinner that night at the last spot, the moon was full and beautiful. As I was chowing down on my food, my eyes caught a flash of light. It was only for a moment, but I saw it, and somewhere it had come from like a beacon of light. It showed me the way. I went towards to what I believe was the spot, and then my walkie, talkie began going haywire, producing this strange static noise. I turned it off immediately in fear it would alert whatever this thing was responsible. I searched and searched and searched. Finally, it was around 10 p.m., but nothing. I felt like giving up, and suddenly a strong breeze blew from my left side. I turned, and there I saw it, like a huge egg with rings, like Saturn slowly lifting up. It was hovering and producing this weird sound, like a deep engine noise. I hid behind a tree, heart pounding like crazy. This was it. At the time, I felt like this was it. This was the unrevealed side of this world, and I'm witnessing it. I crouched down, kept observing it like an egg surrounded by rotary rings. It was pitch black and then the metallic glow reflecting light from the moon. I might not have any clues as to what I'm seeing, but I know for certain it was nothing made from Earth. I was captivated, and then suddenly its outer shell cracked. Even the rings on those cracked were lights. Neon blue were close to that color. Out of nowhere, four metallic pipes extended from this thing. It acted as a stand supporting this large ship. I crouched in that spot, not daring to move for what felt like an hour. And there was nothing else that changed after the stand came out of it. It's like it froze in place, still, and I didn't dare to move. I kept looking at it with haggard breath. 
I felt a couple more hours pass when something happened. The cracks on the surface closed up, and it went back to how it used to be. Then nothing more happened for a while. It slowly stood up, and I tried my best to sneak up to it, a turtle's place. I made sure to avoid making as much noise as possible. Just a couple more meters, and I would be up close and personal to it. I was now on all fours, crawling like a dog just to get close to it. I lifted my hand and managed to touch it. It was like how I imagined it, smooth with a metallic texture. I was about to caress it when a high-pitched noise sounded. It felt like my eardrums would break. I clutched my ears with my hands. In the next thing I know, I wake up in a hospital bed. I was found unconscious by a ranger, taken to the hospital after not being responsive. They walked among us. I know it. I've seen it. I'm still searching for evidence. I believe that the high-pitched sound was a warning that a human had found them. The ship probably left in a hurry. They had become more aware, hopefully a lot less active, too. I was just out for a Sunday stroll in the near woods when I suddenly stood in front of something that looked like a single huge boar with terrifying tusk, maybe twenty, thirty meters away, and as I didn't have my glasses on, it was a bit blurry. It was so tall and stood so still that I took it for some kind of fake or overstuffed taxidermy. I wondered why someone would place an oversized boar in our forest and walk towards in order to see if there were some hidden cameras or stuff like that. When I was ten, twelve meters away, the boar gave noise and I froze. For me, it was surreal because that animal was definitely too big to be a wild boar in a small forest near a bigger town of Central Europe. I have seen big ones up to a shoulder high of nearly one meter but that thing was in another league, standing 1.6 meters tall. Because it had a little bit high ground, we were at eye level. I assumed a very elaborate prank and watched closely for hidden speakers, but was too afraid to move on. I finally found my glasses and put them one, giving the prank bore an unsettling depth of detail. Then the boar moved in a way no servo or hidden wires could have done, and I came to the slow realization that the giant a few meters away was indeed a hogzilla, with tusks like daggers. There was only one time that my heart did the same reaction, and that was when I accidentally shocked myself with 230 VAC. It just stopped for a moment. With the adrenaline finally kicking in, I got my heartbeat back and noped out in a firm and steady march, frenetically littering everything in my backpack on the ground. I hoped that something would seem more interesting or eatable than me. I was too afraid to look back and walked on until I got to the next road where I stopped the next car. I got into the front passenger seat and told the friendly woman that it stopped for me to please, please drive on. She was so kind to bring me to my parked car, and the little parking space was full of cars and men. Turned out a prized Carpathian boar named Edgar was on the loose, and this was the rescue party. Because the regional ranger had told the owner that he will shoot him, if he ever saw Edgar in his forest again, I told him where I had encountered Edgar, and they got him with a tranquilizer gun while he was eating my lunch. Learned that day how big Carpathian boars can become, and that Edgar was a nice guy most of the time, and a little bit of a giant Houdini, too.
But dear God, did that boar freak me out. And I cursed a bit that we sold the guns I inherited when we moved to the city. This happened nearly two years ago. I live Oklahoma, and I'm sure most of you have heard of the Bever family murders that took place in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, a few years ago. I would link a news article about it, but I'm too scared to even do that. Fall of 2016 was my first semester of college. I was an hour and a half away at college and decided to come home for the weekend to see my ex and one of my friends. We loved going into abandoned places, and somehow the Bever house was brought up. It was definitely still talked about because it was so horrible. My friend knew where the house was, so we decided to drive by it. At this point, we had no intention of going in it. This was my second time ever seeing the house. We arrived and I parked my car at the end of the street. I had my camera with me and I recorded the entire thing. First, we went up to the house to just look in the windows. What really freaked me out was that the blinds were drawn and you could see into every room. There was a ceiling fan on in the kitchen and a light on in one of the back bedrooms on the first floor. It got worse. We then noticed the floors were ripped up, the cabinets in the kitchen ripped out, and there were a ton of cutouts in the walls. Why? All of the blood. My ex decided to wiggle a doorknob on a door that lead into the garage, and for some reason it was unlocked. All of the other doors to the house were locked and had those lock boxes on them like the house was for sale or something. So it was super weird that the door was just unlocked. When he opened it, he walked into the garage and went straight to the door to the house that lead into the kitchen. It was also unlocked. Like I said, I recorded the entire thing. I don't have it saved on my computer, but I did upload it to a YouTube channel and it's unlisted so that way... I can send the link to people who are curious. If anyone would like that, just let me know. Once we got into the house, I felt very odd. It was so dark and heavy in there, for obvious reasons. We made our way through the kitchen and living room and eventually up the stairs. Along the way, getting even more creeped out because of all of the little cutouts in the walls from the blood. Once we got upstairs, we noticed a door that was locked, but the light was on in the room. We were not able to open it. We eventually left, and then, like the smart people we are, got two more friends with us and went back for a second time. The two people who came with us the second time were too scared to go in, so they waited in the driveway. That means that they were not able to see the door we entered or the kitchen at all because of the way the garage is placed. It protrudes from the house. The second time we went in, we just stayed in the kitchen and my ex was talking out loud to the spirits. We heard footsteps upstairs. I caught a high-pitched scream in the video, and like I said, I'll link it if anyone wants. As soon as we walked out, the two friends in the driveway asked how it was and asked my friend that went in with me why she didn't respond to their text. She pulls out her phone, and they had texted and asked if we were upstairs. Why? Because they saw someone standing in an upstairs window. Keep in mind, we only stayed in the kitchen. We sprinted to my car. The next day, I felt so weird. Long story short, I went to this spiritual bookstore and talked to the owner, and he saved us. It was absolutely horrifying. One of my friends did not get saged, and she called us later that night and told us she was driving to the Bever house and didn't know why. 
something was definitely attached to us. It was a chilly day in May when my two friends and I decided to embark on a camping trip at Skookum Lake, located in the Cascades about 20 air miles southeast of Estacada, Oregon. We were looking forward to catching crawfish and enjoying the solitude of the remote location. The snow had made the roads almost impassable, but our four-wheel drive managed to get us through to our campsite. After setting up camp, we spent the day fishing and exploring the area. As night fell, we huddled around the campfire, swapping stories and enjoying each other's company. The peaceful silence of the wilderness was a welcome break from our daily lives. However, in the early hours of Monday, May 22, 1995, that peace was shattered, I began to hear the unmistakable sound of branches breaking in the distance. My curiosity peaked. I grabbed my powerful flashlight and shined it toward the source of the noise. About 150 feet away, I saw something I never expected to encounter, a Bigfoot. The creature was about seven feet tall with glowing yellow eyes in the light. Its fur was black, but its head and shoulders were a much lighter color. The creature appeared to be sad stepping down a slope, and as I watched in awe, it froze in place. For 45 minutes, the Bigfoot stood there, not moving, even when I called my buddies over to witness the sight. They were just as astonished as I was, and we could hardly believe what we were seeing. Two days later, I returned to the area with plaster, hoping to find any evidence of the creature's presence. I discovered a partial track not in the snow, measuring 21 inches in length. The large toe was clearly visible, and I carefully made a cast of the print. While searching the area, I also found two hand-sized droppings wrapped in a silky membrane. It appeared to be some sort of mold, and I collected the samples for further examination. Upon returning to our campsite, I noticed a large finger or toe print on my dark green 1977 Ford, right next to a small dent. I decided to lift the print using tape and flour, but not before asking a friend to take a close-up photograph of the evidence. With the track droppings and the print on my truck, I planned to bring everything to the local bookshop for examination. I hoped that these findings would help shed light on the elusive creature that had captivated our imaginations and left us with an unforgettable experience. I had a tenant living in basement, but he got into a car accident about three minutes walking from the house and passed away at the scene. At first I didn't know about this, but one night, I think it was no more than three days after the accident, the lights in our house were all flickered for exactly three times in a minute. But that's not all. I went to the bathroom later after my mom, the door wasn't locked. But as I was pushing the door, I felt a strong force behind the door pushing against me. At first I thought I hallucinated, but I tried for the second time and the door just didn't move. I pushed it really hard, but it still didn't move. I think I even heard a chuckle. Then I started talking with my mind, saying, whoever you are, we didn't do anything wrong. Why are you messing with me? This is not funny. Then that force went away. After that, I went on the Internet, typed in his name, then found out the accident. That was the only time the door jammed. 